This episode of Life Accelerated is brought to you by Equisoft, a leading global provider of end-to-end cloud-based solutions with deep domain expertise in the life insurance industry. To learn more, visit Equisoft.com. I'm Anthony O'Donnell, and this is Life Accelerated, a podcast for life insurers striving to achieve digital transformation. When data and technology systems are disparate, innovation efforts suffer. Greg Driscoll knows this well. Data is the foundation, right? You don't do anything without data in this industry. In his nearly 20 years at Penn Mutual, Chief Operating Officer Greg Driscoll has led the charge at bringing the 175-year-old institution's disparate data and systems into the present, ensuring that all facets of the client experience are driven by clean, accessible data and leading-edge technology. We created this concept of a triangle. From every policy, you can get the client and the financial professionals involved. From every financial professional, you can get the client and the policies involved. In our conversation, Greg talks about how this triangle concept was brought forward into modern technology architecture, as well as details of Penn Mutual's switch to cloud-based systems. Greg shares stories of the beginnings of Penn Mutual's ACE application. The end-to-end accelerated client experience for new business combined several integrated systems, which led to a dramatic moment when the system finally went live for the first time. I made this joke like, oh my goodness, Frankenstein walks. We stitched together an arm, a leg, a head, a torso, and it got up and it actually walked. Here's my conversation with Greg. Welcome, Greg. Thanks for having me, Anthony. The transformation of life insurers over a century old has become kind of a theme of the Life Accelerated podcast. I guess that was inevitable that it would happen if we talked to important companies in the industry. Penn Mutual is actually closing in on two centuries. Tell us a little bit about the company's identity, its market position, and its recent technology history. Yeah, well, first of all, it's good to hear that you're seeing themes of modernization and advancement within the industry. We at Penn Mutual do believe that we need a healthy industry, not just a healthy company, but a healthy industry to be successful. Penn Mutual has been in business. We celebrated our 175th anniversary just this past March. I lightheartedly call us one of the original data science companies. I love the fact that we have been analyzing information and accepting risk based on that information across that 175 years. We are a U.S.-based, domestic-only, individual life annuity carrier with a broker-dealer and asset management arm. We've seen some tremendous growth over the last 10 years, and we primarily position our products to be distributed through financial professionals. We do have a direct-to-consumer firm that we work with, our own, but it's a very small portion of our overall business activity, right? We have historically distributed our products through seasoned, licensed financial professionals. We feel that model is best equipped to handle the financial and diverse needs of the American family and small businesses and other parties that would be interested in our product set. It's been an interesting ride for the firm. When I joined back in 2004, I came to the realization that it was a little slow to adopt. I think a lot of individuals look at insurance as kind of a sleepy industry in the financial services realm. I don't think we're there today. I think over that 175 years, if you take us up to 2022, where we sit today, it is a robust, highly active, highly innovative industry that really has taken a toehold. I think the industry numbers are up over the past couple of years. I think people understand the value of our product set and the protective nature it offers. Again, another firm mutual belief is that our products are the basis and foundation of a sound financial plan, right? All good financial planning is based on duration. So we do believe firmly that our products are sound and good investment for all American families and small businesses. Well, Greg, tell us a little bit more about how you came to Penn Mutual. Maybe you could describe how your own outlook has changed with your experience at Penn Mutual and how the company has evolved. 
I joined in 2004 with experiences in both financial services and healthcare, and had been afforded the opportunity to work on really leading edge and innovative opportunities. I had early in my career an opportunity to work on one of the first financial transaction-based internet sites ever developed. And in the healthcare realm, was involved in serious consolidation of call centers and movement to broad services that were 24-7, 365. So really the bringing of internet capabilities into even our healthcare arena at that employer. But when I joined Penn Mutual, it was a firm that was kind of brought back to earlier decades. I came to the realization that life insurance in particular, especially with all the merger and acquisition activity that occurred and those going public in the 90s and 2000s, had led to these broad, broken apart ecosystems. A lot of technology solutions, a lot of blocks of business relying on different platforms, silos, couldn't get these things to talk to each other, and, you know, conflicts within data, and also an industry where most of the information was being presented either on printed paper or over a telephone call. There was very little in terms of internet capability. And a lot of that was because of the disparate systems and these silos of information. And I felt when I joined Penn Mutual, my first couple of years was replaying some things I had done earlier in my career, just to bring us back up to a foundation. And one of the inflection points for us as a firm and as a technology push was around 2008. We went at the financial crisis of 08 fairly aggressively. We had a very firm and stable balance sheet And we really used that to speak to financial professionals that we were a mutual first company, we were stable. And we also used that as a window to reinvest in our technology capabilities. And for me, that was when I became CIO of the firm around that 08, 09 timeframe. My first push was in data. We had to get better at data management. We had to get better at data movement. We had to get better at data presentation, both internal to our building, outside service providers, our own user interface development, et cetera. So really that 08, 09 timeframe was a major inflection point for our technology capabilities. So where would you say Penn Mutual is now with regard to measuring up to the benchmarks of the industry? I would put us up against just about anybody in terms of our operational data. We took a serious run a decade ago and continue to advance the same platforms that we started that time ago, right? We were an early adopter in the financial services industry and definitely a leading edge adopter within the insurance industry of big data technologies. We took a run at what I call coarse-grained SOA architectures. We wanted to model out our policy information, our field information, our client information, and we created this concept of a triangle. From every policy, you can get the client and the financial professionals involved. From every financial professional, you can get the client and the policies involved. And we pushed that triangle forward over the course of a couple of years to the point now where that model, that triangle is a micro API architecture that is a significant integration layer and capability for the firm. We can move quicker. We can create solutions at a rapid pace by lacing together outside solution providers, our own internal capabilities. So even if we feel like somebody was to move the needle ahead of us in some of these areas, I think our ability to react and adapt is extremely strong. We have a little bit of work to do in terms of how we manage what I would call the relationship and engagement data when people interface with us and our ability to capture that and report on it. And I have some pretty compelling thoughts on what we can do with that data once we have it. But for right now, our operational data is, I think, about as strong as any carrier you'd see. Well, that's interesting. It provides me with a good kind of jump off point for a broader question. So maybe we can step back for a moment from what Penn Mutual has done and is doing and plans to do. And I can ask you as a technologist, I mean, you're clearly a technology guy, 
What would you identify as the most important technologies for transforming the life insurance industry today? You've mentioned data. Yeah, well, data is the foundation, right? You don't do anything without data in this industry. I mentioned early on, we're an original data science company, but fast forward to today, we're a lot better at it than we would have been 175 years ago. So data is the fuel of the engine. So what's going to enable that? I think for us right now, machine learning is something I am very high on. I believe in math. I believe in patterns within data. So we have been a pretty significant adopter of machine learning. We've implemented it in our underwriting realm and had great success in our ability to accelerate. I also think cloud services as a long-term play for the industry is extremely important. Penn Mutual is in the throes of a full cloud migration. We are going to vacate our data center in 2023. And I do think about 15 to 16 months from now, I'll be able to say that we're an entirely internet-based company. It's a very big step. What was it like to persuade corporate management of that move? I didn't have to do a lot of persuading. Our technology team has a really strong track record, has a significant amount of trust in terms of where we are as a company. And I think we as a firm recognize that there's certain areas, Anthony, where we have to push ourselves to lead. Not all areas, but there's certain areas. Again, I think our underwriting realm, when I talk about machine-based learning and how we handle data there, I think getting into a full cloud environment is going to help us from a business continuity resiliency standpoint. It's going to help our scalability. We're already seeing benefits in many of our actuarial areas in terms of modeling and our ability to interrogate data and do projections decades out. So to give us that flexibility, elasticity, resiliency, get away from a facility, these are all good things for the long-term health of the firm. What are some of the other technologies like low-code, no-code, for example? Uh, I'm not necessarily sold on that one quite yet, Anthony. Give me time. I think I may have some battle scars probably from the 90s and early 2000s on drag-and-drop, low-code environments. We're a Java shop. I'm not necessarily wed to the language itself, but it's how we've grown up over the last 10 years. So we do believe in the power of a strong developer and their ability to work. You know, for me, I think it gets into that service mindset, Anthony. It's like, what are you trying to solve, right? And then the technologies follow what problems you're trying to solve. And I think the problem we're trying to solve is to make sure our products are accessible and engageable where a person wants to at the time they want to, over the device they want to, right? Whether it's a telephone, whether it's a computer, whether it's a mobile device or a tablet, we're trying to play in all those mediums. An interesting statement, I think, that speaks to how we view things at Penn Mutual is we believe we are a company that's powered by people, enabled by technology. So we're always going to lead with our people, and the technology is there to support our people. Yeah, something you said reminded me about an earlier conversation we've had, how you look at the build versus buy or the buy versus build question. Whereas in many respects, Penn Mutual is very advanced for a life insurance company. At the same time, you're very much a programming shop. And when it comes to differentiating capabilities, you're very much dedicated to building those yourself. Yeah, it's probably a mindset shift for me. Again, I don't know that I'm ever wed to one or the other. I think it's making the decision, the best decision you can with the information you have at hand and trying to meet the strategic objectives of the firm. We've shifted a bit, probably from more of a third-party service provider into insourcing a little bit more of our platforms, being driven by A, areas we want to differentiate. We want our interface to be our interface. We don't want to be genericized in the third party's user interface and look like 15 other companies. We have to have our own look and feel, and we feel we're good at it. And our investment in talent. I mentioned when I joined the firm in 2004, you could feel that we were a little bit behind the times, especially in some of the things I had done in my career. I can't say that today. We are a progressive, advanced, innovative firm. 
And a lot of that has to do with the talent that we've managed to bring into the company. Personally, I view talent acquisition and talent retention and growth as one of my primary responsibilities. I'm a firm believer that if I can get the right people in to the right chairs and deliver them the messaging of where we want to take the company, then I just have to get impediments out of their way. How do you find those people today? Are you experiencing the rigors of the great resignation? What's it like dealing with young talent today? That's a great question. And it's one I've spent quite a bit of time in the last, especially six months on. I think there's a multi-front answer to that. A, you mentioned young talent. So we have to go after all talent, but we do have good pipelines into the university setting in the Philadelphia region. We've established those over a few years, really work closely with Drexel University. We have a number of their co-ops come in on every cycle, and that's a bit of a pipeline for us when they reach graduation. We've been engaged with Temple University. That's your alma mater too. It is my alma mater. And we're also engaged with Temple University in their PhD program, where we've had them really assist us in research and development opportunities, especially around machine learning and AI and big data. That's been a focus area of our engagement. We kind of sponsor these engagements through the university. So that's one way we're tapped into the university setting. Anthony, honestly, we've had to shift our mindset, right? Penn Mutual has embraced a fully remote workforce. As we went through the pandemic and we were coming out of it, we feel like we have been operating at a very high level over the last couple of years, and we really haven't missed a beat. So we've opened up our recruiting to a national footprint. What about the different kind of behavior and expectations on the part of the newer talent that you're recruiting? How's that going and what kind of an adjustment does that require? I mentioned it takes effort. Even think about what I do. I would walk around the building if a new employee started, stop by the desk, do the 10-minute hello, welcome to the organization. Well, now it's a 30-minute Zoom, right? When somebody joins the organization, I'm on screen with them to do the intro, to say hello, learn a little bit about them, have them learn a little bit about me. Nothing formal, really light. And that takes effort to continue to get those types of discussions on the calendar. You're not having that bump into with individuals in the hallway. I can see you're working out of your home. This probably doesn't sound very far to you. You have your coworkers and you're engaging with them. And how do you do it? We have to mimic those same things. You know, I've been part of panels. Anthony has been interesting over the course of the couple of years. And everyone's talking about how you're doing the work at home. What's your culture like? There was a conversation I heard once where a firm said, my CEO says we invested in culture for over 100 years and now we're taking debits out, but we got to get back on site so we can invest back in culture. I don't agree with that. Culture is kind of a mindset and an approach. And as long as you're conscious of it and as long as you invest in it, I think you're going to be successful. So let's talk a little bit about Penn Mutual's understanding of digital, what role that plays in your agenda and how this fits in with the corporate objectives of the company. For me, digital, Anthony, is the idea of meeting a person where they want to be met when they want to be met. And frankly, that can be a telephone. An old IVR is still a digital interface, if you think about it. Obviously, it's not the advanced or forward-thinking interfaces that we like to look at, but our investment in digital is really to hit our stakeholders and constituents where they need to be met. That is our employees, especially in this remote world, right? That they have the equipment, that they have the data interfaces to be able to do their job successfully. Our financial professionals, are we providing them the data and insights that they need to do their function, not sit here and fight through paper or fight through and try to acquire information? Are we giving them the information that they need at the time they want it and at the time they can put it to use? And also for our policy owners, continue to build out all of these interfaces for all the stakeholders. And what's hit me over the years is we've developed a pretty nice financial professional portal. We branded Insights, and it touches on Enforce pending. It touches on our ACE platform. It's got their commission information, et cetera. And one thing we've been able to do is take that same code base and same user interface and then create a client portal. 
And then we've taken that same code base and that same user interface, and we've taken it into our call center. So now we have a common code base, a common user interface across all three of our stakeholder groups, and we can introduce feature and function in a method that we want to. So right now we're working on a couple transactions for the call center. And once we're comfortable there, we'll bring them out to the financial professional or the client, and it'll be the same exact transaction set. This is also built on a concept of unified data. It is, right? This all goes back to the triangle that I mentioned a while ago in the micro API architecture. It's all residing on top of that architecture. That development over time has really been fortuitous. You know, it accelerates our ability to bring features and functions and capabilities out to all our stakeholder groups. And it's also led now to the ability to create interesting interactions. I think the next phase for us is a phrase I started to introduce to the company last year around the digital ecosystem. We have our financial professional portal. We've created a new marketing digital website that we call Gateway. We have our ACE, our Accelerated Client Experience, Life New Business application and underwriting process. And we're currently working on a new illustration system that we hope to deploy probably towards the end of this year or very, very early in 23. And those four will form the basis of what we think will be a digital ecosystem that will serve the company for a decade to come. And how do you create interesting interactions across these properties? And what opportunities are they going to present that we haven't even thought of yet? If I'm in an illustration, can I quickly run an underwriting experience through our ACE platform? If I'm in force, can I go back to the marketing material that was presented to me about this particular policy? Or can I pull up the illustration and see my actual versus my illustration in terms of maybe a variable product or something, you know, an IUL or one of those types of product sets? A lot more to come. And to me, it's exciting. This is the type of conversation that brings a smile to my face. Well, that's great. Could you tell us a little bit about how ACE was conceived, where it fit with where Penn Mutual was and where it wanted to go, and then how the implementation went? Yeah, ACE, really a threshold moment for the company. I think it's one of the highlights of my career. I mentioned I had an opportunity to do a first in the country service back in the 90s. And I think we had another opportunity here to do a first within the industry with ACE. So it was 2016. There was a conversation occurring around data-driven underwriting. There's some engines out there that are reflexive question-based that try to get you a rating. And many of them were really oriented towards tele-interviews. So the idea that you would have some type of individual with medical knowledge on the phone with an end consumer looking to buy a life insurance policy and walking them through life and health questions. We were, of course, looking at this like many other manufacturers are and had been. And I asked the question, it's like an Oreo cookie, right? With two bad cookies in a really nice center. What if the upfront experience is terrible and the backend experience is terrible because it's all paper-based, but you have this data-driven capability in the center. So you accelerated the center, but the bookends of it still have these long tails to them this doesn't feel good. So what if we took a run at this thing end to end? And this was the president of the company at the time really pushed us and he pushed us on timeline. He thought we had a small window to create something that maybe no one else had. And he leaned into us, but he also gave us the resources to be successful. At the time, Penn Mutual had just shifted to an all agile environment. We were SDLC in the early 2010s, but by 2015, we had shifted to a 100% agile environment where we had become accustomed to two-week sprints and delivering workable software and doing demos and having those that sponsored the teams be able to see what was being created over the course of time. And I think that's important because ACE doesn't happen without the data platform I've touched on, and ACE doesn't happen without the agile approach that we had taken as a software development team. 
And we made that thing happen in about 16 months, which still is kind of stunning. We launched in September of 2017, and we had one individual start the first case and pretty much 40 other people within the IT realm watching the data move through the system and literally giving themselves a standing ovation when it went all the way through the very first case. For me, the telltale moment had been about six or eight weeks prior when we were giving a demo to the president and CEO of the firm. I had seven Agile teams set up, each delivering components. We had the front-end application. We had back-end policy delivery. We had back-end client portal. We had the data-driven underwriting engine and others. And we did this demo for the very first time with all of the team software talking. And I made this joke like, oh my goodness, Frankenstein walks, right? We stitched together an arm, a leg, a head, a torso, and it got up and it actually walked. It needed some hand-holding, but it got off the table. And by the fourth quarter... We had plans for a big controlled rollout. We were going to walk this thing out to our distribution over the course of four to six months, but it worked and it worked really well. And the president of the company offered it up to our entire distribution during the fourth quarter, about six to eight weeks after launch. And my stomach churned. I was like holding onto the chair. I wasn't sure how this was going to work. I felt we were going to maybe get crushed under the weight of an extended user base, but it didn't. And we've continued to invest in it. And we're five years in at this point, and we've probably done hundreds of releases across all the components. We're at a point right now where 80, 85% of our applications come in over ACE. We are delivering 50% faster information needed. It's the technological cornerstone of your new business. It's a differentiator for us as a firm. It's not just a cornerstone of a new business. It's a differentiator for the firm. We recruit to it. I think people who experience it are enamored with it. And I think even if you think about where we were with COVID, it was a complete game changer. It was a socially distant selling system. We were selling life insurance in a medium like you and I are engaged in right now. Let me ask you then about the timing, because you had said that the company's leadership or the president at the time had given you a window. So did you come in ahead of that window? Obviously, nobody anticipated a pandemic. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got to go back to 16, 17. We were probably two months off his desire, right? I think he said, you got a year. He said you had a year for this major technology project. Is he unfamiliar with the insurance industry? <laughs> he is darn familiar with the insurance industry. Yeah, that's, that's a heck of a timeline. He is extremely smart, but he's also extremely challenging. You know, I jest, obviously, but that's a really tight timeline for an initiative like this. You know, Anthony, one thing to keep in mind is we had to stop a lot of work. We're in an environment where people are looking for things across a broad spectrum of capabilities, right? And we had to shut down a lot of work channels to take all our resources, a good number of resources, and truly focus on this without the distractions of additional work. You've already talked about using internal resources for differentiating capabilities. Was there also a partnership component to your resources, whether that means consultants or software components that were part of the mix? Yeah, there was a few areas there where it was like, okay, do we build this capability or is it better to buy this capability? Do we want to own the interface or is it okay that somebody else owns the interface? We worked with an outside financial services firm that also was dabbling in software development, a firm by the name of Porch Financial, and they worked with us on the application interface. So the actual UI that an end consumer sees and enters their information in and goes through the workflow. On the back end on policy delivery, we worked with iPipeline on their DocFast tool. So that's the delivery aspect of it. And even on the client portal, this drops somebody right into our client portal. So at the end of policy delivery, 
you have an account within our client portal and you're asked to pay your first premium. We engage with JP Morgan to handle first premium payments. So, you know, there's some other vendors that were mixed in there as well, but you can see where we've taken these opportunities. We ask ourselves the question of what are we good at and where should we look to acquire that capability or develop that capability? And there's cases where we do look to acquire. What's your experience with the InsureTech movement been like? How do you feel about InsureTech? How useful has it been to you? What do you think it means for the industry? I'm probably a little hot and cold in this area, Anthony, to be truthful, to have startup firms out there and short tech, fintech firms. They're going to push the envelope. I think they're important for the industries that continue to identify capabilities that maybe incumbents don't. They're going to be able to push the envelope a little bit. But I also believe it's overinflated at this point. I have seen an awful lot of firms come through that present a solution that doesn't seem to have a high barrier to entry. It's easily replicatable. One example that I can touch on is the idea of social profiling. Those to gather and scour social media to try to gather a profile on individuals and then use that as a marketing medium. I've probably seen 15 solution providers in that space. and I stopped paying attention to it a while ago. I do think there's a need for the investment to push the envelope, to find those new opportunities, to break down barriers. But I also believe the amount of money, the amount of startups is just overwhelming at times. And then in a chair like mine, in a mid-sized company, to make that decision on where you're willing to take that chance. Am I willing to go with a firm that might not be around 12 months or 18 months from now? That's a pretty hard investment for us to make. I can't make too many errors like that. So we have to be really prudent in how we approach some of these startups and look at them for their longevity, look at them for their funding, understand where they fit in our portfolio of services and what would happen if something happened to that firm and they weren't able to sustain business. So it's really interesting hearing you talk because there's a great mixture of, shall we say, skepticism and openness, a hybrid approach based on the evidence as it's discoverable. And whereas on the one hand, you're maybe more eager to build things yourself when it's appropriate, you're also embracing cloud ecosystem, APIs and microservices. So this makes me want to ask you, what are the implications of these technologies for the changing skill set in your organization, how you're thinking about that? It's been significant. We went on the cloud migration path some time back. We've been aggressive on this probably for two years. And I can sit here today and say it's a bigger lift than we would have anticipated 24 months ago. The skill set shift, the organizational requirement, the security tooling that goes around it, these are all significant shifts in terms of skill set. We're going to AWS. There's a limited number of people who have multi-years of experience in running DevOps or DevSecOps in AWS. So your pool of talent is pretty thin and we have to find them and we have to work to get them to join us and make their work rewarding for them. I think it's a little bit of a bigger shift than we anticipated, but we're past that point. I think we've turned a corner. We recognize the lift. We recognize the tooling and skills that we need. And I'm pleased to say we've launched our first native applications in AWS. And now we're to the point where we're templating out the ability to create and shut down environments. So now we see the acceleration. It was a longer road. The last six or eight months were pretty bumpy for us. It was a really challenging time. But over the last two months, we've turned the corner and now we're well positioned to see the acceleration of our software delivery. It's not a trivial shift. I've been at this for a little over 30 years. These transformations, these major transitions occur, hopefully with machine learning and cloud services and some of the AI stuff. These are with us for a little bit and I don't have to go through another significant shift in the next couple of years because these have been fairly disruptive. 
Well, maybe we can make a concluding comment about how the state of technology today is enabling Penn Mutual to revitalize its promise of its 175-year existence. Without question, if I think of life insurance, I used to be able to make light of the fact that to me, it was probably one of the hardest things some of the United States could acquire. It took 30 days or so, right? 30, 35 days from the point where I say, okay, I'm filling out an application until I actually had a policy in effect on my life. Penn Mutual, we have been able to reduce that to under 24 hours for those that want to move at that cadence and not for small amounts and not just only on one or two products. We have this across our entire product portfolio. And we've taken it up to $7.5 million in death benefit, which is our retention limits. So we have really changed the acquisition of life insurance. And I mentioned earlier, we feel it's of paramount importance of any financial plan because it gives you that protection for the unplanned events, the unexpected events that may affect the family or business. Firm believer in data, firm believer in machine learning, firm believer in continuing to drive this industry forward and be a leader on the technology front. By being a leader in the industry, you almost need to be a leader on the technology front. We've been talking for a decade or more that if every company is a technology company, well, that is true. Everything is running on a piece of software at this point. I appreciated Greg's enthusiasm and candor as he dug into the details of Penn Mutual's technology journey. Over the course of the Life Accelerated series, we talked to senior executives with a variety of backgrounds. I think of Greg as falling into the true technologist category. He combines experience with enthusiasm and a kind of opportunistic search for the best possible solution. Greg is committed to the perennial mission of this 175-year-old insurer, but he's also determined to serve that mission with technology that best serves customers and that differentiates Penn Mutual from its competitors. Thank you for joining us for the Life Accelerated podcast. For more relevant content to help you achieve digital transformation, visit equisoft.com slash lifeaccelerated.